Good morning, New Hope. Welcome to TNT. Welcome to Tuesday. We are, man, I am glad you're here this morning. It's, uh, it's great to be here with you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jeremy. I'm the Webster Campus Pastor. A uh, special shout out to all those incredible people over at the Webster Campus who are just loving God and loving their community. Uh, absolutely enjoy to be with you guys on weekends. Uh, a couple of quick announcements to get us going this morning. First off, if you haven't already registered for a life group, it's open. It's a great time to do it. The, the life group finder will help you find one that's perfect for you based on where you live, when, when you want to attend, um, singles, couples, marrieds, kids, no kids, whatever. All the, all the options are on there. We'd love for you to go sign up for that. As, uh, as one of my friends, Mark Davis, is world famous, and yes, world famous for saying, all of life's problems are solved in life groups. So get into a life group, man. Let me strongly encourage you to do that. Uh, second thing is we have homework this week. If you were with us last weekend, you know Pastor Tim asked us to read the book of Jude, the entire book of Jude and nothing but the book of Jude. Uh, thankfully, it's not very long. So uh, let me remind you to go get into that as we start our next series through uh, the book of Jude. Uh, finally, this morning, Camp New Hope is coming. Uh, we are so excited to be back in person at camps this summer. Uh, if you have not already signed up and already signed up your kids or your students for that, let me encourage you to go do that. And, and listen, never, never, never let money be a, a, a reason for you to, to not sign up for camp. We have some incredibly generous people at New Hope that every single year give so that, that kids and students can go to camp. So uh, if you're one of those generous people, thank you. Thank you for making a way for people to go and, and have an incredible experience with Christ uh, over that week, week-long experience, four or five-day experience, uh, whichever one they're going to. Uh, thank you for being a part of that. You are investing into somebody's uh, very personal spiritual growth. And, and if you're a parent uh, and you're just in a place where you say, man, the pandemic's been tough or the last year has been tough or money's just tight for whatever reason, don't let that stop you. Uh, go ahead and sign up. There's, there's some little step-by-steps that will walk you through to make sure that you, your kid or your student gets to New Hope Student or New Hope Kids Camp. But we want them there. This is when we want them there. There's something supercharged about the summer camps. Uh, it's, it's like a, a worth, worth a year of spiritual growth in this very compressed time. So uh, go sign up for, for camp. Um, so that brings us to the parables. Like we're walking through these things. I told you a few weeks ago, it could have been months ago. Now I've lost all sense of time in the pandemic. Uh, that this is, this is going to be a journey. We're going on this thing together. The path's going to be interesting. I hope it's been interesting for you so far. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you've been changed. I uh, hope uh, that you, you've walked away from some of these devos, which have, man, some of them have been so incredibly good. I uh, hope you've been able to walk away from some of them and say, Lord, how do I function more like a, someone who lives in the kingdom of God now that I know what this parable is? Or how do I live as, as someone who looks more like you uh, than, than, I, than I did yesterday uh, because of this parable? So we're going to go to another one this morning. Again, parable, uh, just an earthly story with a heavenly message because uh, it helps us to understand how the kingdom of God operates uh, and how, uh, how it functions in the world today and how it's calling to our hearts uh, about the kingdom of God that is to come as well. So, hey, no journey is, uh, is correct. Uh, you won't ever finish a journey if you don't start the right way. Uh, so grab some water. I like to warm mine up and run it through some coffee grounds. Grab some water. You're going to need it for the journey this morning, I promise. Okay, you ready to roll? Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, this one's called a couple, this parable's called a couple different things. Uh, parable of the closed doors is kind of the most common one. There's, there's a couple other uh, titles for it, but we're going to go with that one this morning. Luke chapter 13, verse 22 is where we'll start. I'm going to be living, uh, reading excuse me, from the New Living Translation today. Uh, so, so Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. 
Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? Uh, he replied, work hard to enter the narrow door. There's the parable of the door. Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter, but will fail. And when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. I love what Pastor Tim says. It's never too late until it is too late. Um, so when he has locked the door, it will be too late. And you'll stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, but, but, but we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know who you are or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their place in the kingdom of God. So in order to really understand this parable, I've got to tell a parable about the parable so we can understand the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell a story about a story to get us to the kingdom, okay? Several years ago, uh, I, I hopped an airplane and I was going to Detroit. Uh, was supposed to be a relatively straightforward flight, Houston to Atlanta, Atlanta to Detroit. Uh, everything looked good. When I, uh, I'm kind of a planner, maybe a little bit obsessive sometimes. And so just before I boarded my, my flight in Houston, I looked at what gate I was going to be transferring planes. And so I had to look at what gate I was going to be flying out of in Atlanta so that when, I, when we landed there, I could just grab my stuff. I had to carry on. I could just walk right to the gate and we'd have no problems, right? No problems at all. So I uh, had a little bit of delay on the takeoff in Houston, had a little bit of delay in the landing in Atlanta. And when we finally got down, they rolled the, the, the gate out to us. Uh, I had about 10 minutes before my next plane took off, not before they closed the door, but before it took off. So I knew I had to hurry. So I grabbed my, my carry-on bag and I had to go from, I think it was like gate two to gate 32, okay? So it's, it's a pretty significant distance, but 10 minutes. Uh, at that point in my life, this was about 10 years ago, I was in, um, I would say stellar, stellar physical condition at that point in my life, uh, at least at least better than I am now. So I grabbed my bag and off I went, running through the airport looking like I was in a movie or, or something. Um, gate two to gate 32. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, from gate 32 to gate two, I think is where I was. So I'm, I'm running, running the whole way. And I get to gate two and there's nobody there. There's no agent at the, at the counter. Uh, there's nobody waiting. And I thought, man, did I... Did I, did I slow down? You know, did I miss my flight? And so then I, I kind of panicked and I looked at the, the board and the flight that I was supposed to take to Detroit that was supposed to leave from gate two when I left, it, when I left Houston was now leaving from gate 31 or next door to the gate that I just landed at. Uh, so I sprinted back again. Um, clearly I had lost all of my uh, stamina at that point. I didn't make it back to, to gate 31 in time. Uh, in fact, I stood in the concourse and watched the plane roll down the runway and get in line to taxi and take off. Uh, if you ever missed a flight that close, uh, you know how frustrating that can be. Uh, so I went up to the, to the agent at the gate and I explained the situation. And they said, hey, it was delayed. It was no big deal. It's not on you. We'll rebook you to the next flight. The next flight was the next morning. Um, but it was like eight hours, six hours. It wasn't quite enough for them to say, hey, why don't, you, why don't we put you up in the Ritz-Carlton overnight and you can just sleep really well there. So they put me up in the Ritz Airport, which is also known as molded plastic hard chairs that are linked together in groups of about eight or 10. And if you've 
if you've never slept in a hard plastic molded airport chair, it is not the answer to any of life's problems. I don't care what the question is. I don't care what situation you're facing. Sleeping in a hard plastic molded airport chair is not the, it doesn't fix anything. So I, I didn't have a choice. I stayed there for a while. I kind of fell asleep, but then they've got this security guard walking around waking people up because they don't really want people sleeping in the airport because that's what hotels are for. And I was, so I kind of nodded off here and there. Next morning, early the next morning, I got onto a plane and made it to Detroit like I was supposed to. And all of life went on. Uh, but I, I was struck as I was reading this parable about that moment that I was standing in the concourse and watching the plane leave without me and thinking, wait a second, I was supposed to be on that plane but I'm here instead. What, what happened? And I began to run through all the situations in my mind that if I'd have done this different, if I'd have walked off of the gate when I landed in Atlanta and looked at the board, I would have taken two steps to my right and I'd have been at the right gate and I probably would have been on the plane and I would have been looking out the window at the concourse wondering what other guy ran down to gate two and back to gate 31 and didn't make his plane and how silly he must feel as I stood on the concourse and thought about how upset I was with myself. So that's the story that talks about the parable that talks about the kingdom. The parable is in, in the parable, Jesus, he, he paints this, uh, it's a stunning picture in all honesty. It's very simple, but it's very stunning. At some point in our future, uh, that the door for us moving into heaven, the door for us walking across the line of faith, and accepting Christ as our Savior, at some point in our future, that door is going to close. For some of us, that may be at death. For others, we may be here when Christ himself returns. I don't know when that is. I know it's closer today than it was yesterday. That's about the essence of what I know about it. Um, but at some point, that door is going to close. And listen, I don't want any of us, I don't want any, any of us to be standing on the outside of the house when the door closes and knocking on the door and saying, wait, wait, what about me? There's a day coming the door closes. The, the, the tunnel is pulled away from the airplane and the chance to get in or to get on is over. And those left on the outside, uh, man, would be, those left on the outside will be begging, the scriptures tell us. And, and saying things like, you ate with us. You taught with us in our streets. We know who you are. Listen, it's not enough to know who he is because Jesus responds and you can hear the heartbreak in his answer. He, he doesn't say, you don't know who I am. He says, I, I don't know who you are. Think of Jesus standing on the other side of a door. And the people on the outside are people he gave his life for. People he hung on a cross to forgive us our sins. And he has to say in that moment, because you never walked across that line, because you never accepted me as your Savior, because you never accepted my forgiveness, I don't know who you are. This is not a statement of arrogance or it's not even a, a statement of, of emotional detachment. You can hear, you hear in his voice almost an apology. I, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. I, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice, but I don't know who you are. Remember, the Lord is not slow, like some would count slow, like some would define slow, as uh, Peter tells us, but he's patient, waiting for everyone to come to repentance. 
the reason he hasn't closed that door already is because there are people in your life and in mine and all over this world that are on the wrong side of the door still. It's never too late until it is. The reason he hasn't closed that door is because there's other people that he wants to see walk into his kingdom and become a follower of his. So there's, there's this interesting phrase near the end of the parable. He says, get away from me, you evildoers, or you, doer, you, you doers of evil, depending on your translation. Um, and I thought that was an interesting moment where Jesus says, the door is closed and everyone on the outside is a doer of evil. And I thought, what a, wow, that's a pretty strong statement, you doers of evil. And then I remembered that that's really what I am. And it's really what we are. I mean, the scriptures tell us that, that on our best days, the best things that we do with the best motives in our heart that we think are absolutely pure, the best things that we ever do are nothing but filthy rags uh, compared to the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ. And our standard of righteousness is not our neighbor and it's not our family and it's not our pastor. The standard of righteousness is Jesus Christ. And so when we think about the separation between the best things that we do uh, and the standard of righteousness, you can understand that in comparison, what we do is, is filthy. I mean, it's evil. We try, but it, it doesn't matter. On our best day, the best things we do is nowhere near Jesus on his worst day. I don't know if Jesus has bad days, but on his worst day, he's, there's such a huge gulf of separation between what we do and what he does, who we are and who he is. So uh, it's appropriate. It's appropriate to say, to those on the outside, you evildoers, because even those that have walked through the door and become followers of Christ, all we bring to the conversation is filthy rags and evil works. Um, and it's humbling. It's humbling that Jesus still stands at that door and says, come on in. Bring your filthy rags, bring your evil works, bring your unrighteousness, and I'm going to give you something better for it. I'm going to give you in exchange uh, my righteousness and my crown and my robe. And you get you get it because you've taken in the forgiveness of, of Jesus Christ. Um, so if that's what's on the other side of the door, then it doesn't matter. I'm going to use a word that, that I realize is not proper English, but is the, the best way that I know to communicate this. Uh, the goodest among us is evil compared to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The goodest among us is evil. You can, you can quote me on that. Don't no bumper stickers, please, because I, I would hate for my mom to know that my English is that bad. Um, none of us, none of us could walk through that door without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He, he's the only way. He says uh, in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you'll indulge me for a moment this morning, I want to see if I can stretch the metaphor of the missed airplane air, uh, connection at the airport uh, to what Jesus is, is saying about the door that is, that is closing and at some point will close uh, into the kingdom of God. Um, it seems to me that people spend a lot of our, their life, our life, running from gate to gate, from place to place, thinking that, that what they know to be the right gate to get them to the right plane that's going to get them to the right place is correct. And then sometimes we walk up on that gate and we realize this is not the right place. Because we didn't look on the board. We didn't stop and say, well, the people in charge of the airline ought to know where the gate is. And what they're telling you is true. And thankfully, I think most of us here today would say that we have found the right gate. We found the way, the truth, and the life, which is 
Jesus Christ. But the other, the other thing is once I watched that airplane taxi away and take off, uh, I really had no choice but to sit down in the concourse and wait. I mean, I, I wasn't going to run it down on the tarmac. Uh, nothing I could do to make them turn it around. So I just had to sit and wait. And it also strikes me that there's people in life who watch how others are entering the kingdom of God and they struggle with it or they're not really sure they're ready for it yet. So they just find themselves sitting in the concourse waiting for maybe the next flight to come along and hoping that the next one is going to be the one that's going to get them there. But again, there is one way there. Jesus Christ is the way the truth and the life. And through that gate, there is eternal life. And that gate is open for you today. It's open for me today. And it's open today for people in our life that maybe have given up on finding the right way and they're sitting in the concourse. We've, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, uh, you've heard us talk about the, the concept of the 99 sheep that are safely in the fold and the one that is outside. And the imagery is, is really powerful and clear there where we're on the plane. If you know Christ, if you've accepted his forgiveness, if you've taken on his righteousness, if you've made that great exchange that I talked about, then you're on the airplane. You're the 99. But looking out onto the concourse of the people that are still waiting to get on for whatever reason, still trying to figure it out or still trying to just surrender and give themselves to Christ, um, that's what we're talking about. The 99, the one that still is yet to enter through the door and find the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. So, one day the door is going to close. One day that plane's going to going to take off. Um, you and I don't want to be sitting on that plane looking out the window. By the way, everyone on the plane to heaven, I realize we don't, it's not a physical plane, but work with me here. Pretend it is. I don't. I think everybody on the plane to heaven gets a window seat. I don't think there's any aisle seats. I don't think anybody has to have the fear of their knees getting bumped or their toes getting run over by the courtesy cart that comes up and down or. Uh, and there's no middle seats. There's absolutely everybody on the plane to heaven gets a window seat, right? So we're sitting in the window, uh, sitting in the seat, looking out the window at the concourse. We don't want to see one of our loved ones. We don't want to see one of our friends standing in the concourse because they didn't ever take that step of faith and, and, and surrender their life and find the forgiveness of, of Jesus Christ. And so um, that, that plane's going to take off one day. Uh, plane to heaven. By the way, if you were with us a few weeks ago, you heard Pastor Tim talk about uh, the experience that he had where he got to fly a plane one time and he almost got to land it. And then the professional pilot in the seat next to him took over in the midst of him screaming the Lord's Prayer. Um, that professional pilot took over. He, here's the thing. On the plane to heaven, if, if, if Pastor Tim gets a reboot, like if he gets a second shot at this, I would love to be on his plane. And I think most of us would love to be on his plane on the way to heaven. And I was thinking about what, what happens if he gets the plane into heaven? Just stay with me here. Uh, and and he, he's still afraid to land a little bit, but he's going to give it a shot. And the professional pilot, I hope the professional pilot lets, lets him land it this time. Because here's the, what's the worst, like what's the worst that can happen? He crashes it. We all die. Go to heaven. I feel like the worst case scenario there's just as good as the best case scenario. So I'd love to be on that plane on the way to heaven, but I don't want to look out and see someone that I love stuck in the concourse, standing there saying, "That's at the wrong gate, man. I did the wrong things with my life. I, I thought I thought the way to heaven was some other place." Uh, so I'm, I'm confident that you, like me, have people in our life that are away from Christ. Uh, they're they're 
they're on the wrong side of the door that the housekeeper one day is, is going to close. And let me just leave you with this. If, if you struggle in the conversation of sharing your faith with somebody, let me walk you through uh, John chapter 9 real quickly this morning and give you kind of a, a concept of how to do it. Okay, we're going to skip around a little bit. I'm going to, I'll guide you along the way, but just listen to uh, how this man shares what Christ has done in his life. And John chapter 9, verse 1, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And then verse 6 and 7 says, uh, then he, being Jesus, spit on the ground, uh, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. I could spend a year and a half talking about how Jesus spit in dirt and made mud out of it to heal somebody. Just trust me, go with me. It's exactly how he did it. Uh, Verse 7, he told him, Jesus told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Verse 13, then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. And verse 15 says, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, hey, he put the mud over my eyes. Remember, he was blind. He didn't know that Jesus had spit into the dirt to make mud first. He put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. Go with me then to verse 24. So for the second time, this is the Pharisees. Now, for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Now, listen to this guy's response. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. And then listen to the Pharisees' questions back. Two questions they asked back. What did he do and how did he heal you? What did he do and how did he do it? When you have opportunities to share Christ with someone who is in the concourse, on the other side of the door, away from Christ, whatever language you want to use there, tell them who you were briefly. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. I was blind, but now I can see. And wait for the two questions, the two questions that they're going to ask you in some form or fashion or some way. What did he do and how did he do it? The man's answer was simple. I don't fully understand everything that happened there. All I know is this is who I was and this is who I am today. And those questions when they're asked of you, what did he do and how did he do it? Man, I I can't even explain it to you until you experience it. I can't explain it to you. But here's what I know. I was once this and today I, I was once selfish and today I'm selfless. I was once a taker and today I'm a giver. I was once uh, stuck on this and today I'm free from it. The questions are there. They're built into the conversation. All you have to know in that conversation is who are, who were you and who are you today? Because you walked through that door because you got onto that plane. Answer those questions. Tell those people where the gate is, where the way to heaven is. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him from a different gate, from a different place around the back door of the house. It's only the one way. And it's only and always through Jesus. So tell somebody about that. Let them know. Here's the way. Don't let them be running around the concourse. Don't let them be looking to the world for the answers on how to live spiritually. Go tell somebody. And um, maybe they're on the plane with you. I don't know how big the planes are on the way to heaven, but I kind of think they're going to be kind of large. There's a lot of people going. So do everything you can to get people to go to heaven with you. Uh, The whole goal. The whole goal from here until the door is closed, until the the plane pulls away, is to take as many people to heaven with us as as we possibly can with the power of Jesus Christ. It's to it's to empty hell and fill up heaven along the way. And what a what a great day that's going to be that Jesus finally says, "Hey y'all, let's go." Because he's from Texas, he'll say, "Y'all, um, 
Let me pray for us this morning, send you out into the world with an opportunity to say, here's who I was, but here's who I am. Father, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you that um, when we see the imagery of you spread out on the cross, that you willingly laid your life down. No one took it from you. That you spread out your arms in the grandest display of love that the world has ever and will ever know. And that by simply saying, Jesus, I need your forgiveness and I trust my life to you. I want to follow you every single day of my life. That we walk over a threshold that we don't even see from death into life. From sin into salvation. From unforgiven to forgiven. We take a step over that threshold. And and Lord, all we bring across the threshold is the worst parts of who we are and the best parts of who we are. And all of them together add up to Uh, filthy rags and unrighteous behavior, but we exchange all that for your forgiveness and your righteousness. Lord, help us today. Help us this week as we interact with people, as we love them. May we love them out of a pure heart, out of a pure motive. Uh, May we tell them who, who we were and tell them who we are now because of what you've done in our life. May we actively search for ones who are away from you so that we can bring them in and they can be part of this great kingdom of God that is like a door that is closing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. New Hope, been great to be with you all this morning. I love you guys. Go have a great Tuesday. Uh, We'll see you all this weekend.